Hello and welcome to Additive Snack, the podcast that inspires and educates you on your additive manufacturing journey. Today, we have an inspiring show lined up for you. I'm your host, Fabian Ahlefeld, and I lead the Additive Minds consulting team for EOS in North America. On this episode, I'm joined by Markus Seibold, Vice President of Additive Manufacturing at Siemens Energy and Material Solutions, two of the most advanced users of additive manufacturing and zero production. Markus will be sharing his best practices for creating the ideal culture for AM innovation. And he really is the best and perfect guest to talk about this topic. That's because Markus has a unique role at Siemens, where he experiences AM innovation both as a user and as a solution provider. Today, Marcus and I will talk about why a working culture focused on growth and a shared sense of purpose is far more effective than a culture focused strictly on performance. We'll also discuss best practices for creating and nurturing a growth mindset for your teams. We'll discuss the bold move Siemens has made to successfully enable innovation through AM. And why AM engineers and designers don't get enough credit. So, let's get right to it. Marcus, welcome to Additive Snack. It's so great to have you. Hey, Fabian. Fantastic to, ha- uh, to be with you today. Marcus, so let's dive right in. Siemens Energy and Material Solutions are two of the most experienced additive manufacturing users in the whole industry. There's no question about that. What is your role in that success story? Well, I, I have, uh, I would say, one of the most exciting jobs uh, that exist within Siemens Energy. Um, I am basically responsible, A, for driving additive manufacturing into our Siemens Energy core products. That means all aspects of developing the technology, industrializing in our our shops, and and also understanding design for additive. And at the end of the day, component identification and qualification. So that's, that's, I I usually describe that as, as the user role. And that exists actually, I would say, in in many multinational large OEMs, someone that oversees how you drive additive manufacturing. But my second role makes it really unique and exciting. This is, I'm also responsible for our material solutions business. Um, Siemens Energy acquired material solutions in 2016. And back in the day, we decided that we really want to pursue a dual business model around additive. We want to be on the one hand side, one of the world leading users of the technology, means applications, technology, um, performance improvements, emissions reduction, etc. user. But on the other side, we decided that we want to become one of the leading service providers and further expand the material solutions business model. And the reason why we chose this dual approach is that we believe there is still so much to be learned in that technology field and that you can move faster if you work and learn across sectors and, and industries. And so Material Solutions, um, very early on, focused on power generation, aerospace, and high-end automotive. And we believe that those sectors and some others have a lot of commonalities when it comes to technology development. So my role is drive the technology, drive additive manufacturing into Siemens Energy core products, and um, strategically develop um, and drive our Material Solutions service provider business to adjacent and other industries. And this is a, a true business responsibility. That's why I think it's one of the most exciting roles that exists within Siemens Energy today. That sounds so interesting. A dual business model from a user perspective as well from a component supplier perspective. Uh, that must really give you a, a really good overview of what the technology is capable of today 
uh, and uh, also of uh, where to push additive manufacturing into the future. And I know that you have big objectives. You uh, mentioned to me before that uh, culture has a very big impact on the success of Siemens Energy and as well as on the success of material solutions. Now, what is the best way to create and nurture a bigger than business culture in your team of engineers? And uh, how do you approach that on a daily basis? I guess that's, uh, that's one of my, actually, my, my very favorite uh, topics. And there is never going to be a right and fully satisfactory answer to it. But um, I guess I personally, and there's a lot of literature out there and, and also studies and proof out there, I believe that there is basically two fundamental different ways how you can motivate and drive teams. There is the performance culture obsessed teams and this is all about meeting objectives and targets and there is what you call growth culture there is it's about you set yourselves ambitions and you try to get as close as possible and if you if you eventually even fail or if you don't reach your target you try to understand why and you try to improve and you basically always try to grow and and i fundamentally believe that in the mid to long run a growth culture totally outperforms a performance culture because if you if you put it on the level of individual employees they are not really motivated by you meeting your overall financial objectives. They are not really motivated by you delivering a certain EBIT number. That's you as a manager who has this in your objectives, but it's not the people. The people are driven by what they do every day. They are driven by a positive work environment. They are driven by um, supporting something bigger than, than what they do every day. And so I fundamentally believe that purpose-driven teams based on a growth culture are in the mid to long run set up to outperform pure financial target and um, performance culture-driven teams. And I guess one of the ways then, if you put yourselves in the role of a leader, so how do you now understand this aspect of culture? And this is very fuzzy. It's everybody talks about culture, but you can't measure it. So what we did about three years ago, um, we came across the, the, the theory, which you call tribal leadership. And when I read the first articles and books about it, there's, uh, I guess, one, one thing that stuck with me is a, a guy called David Logan. Um, he's talking about tribal leadership. And basically, he started off uh, with a 15 minutes YouTube uh, version of it. And he says people always will always have, are, and always will form tribes. That's just what people do. There's people that go to church on Sunday morning and there's people who go to the soccer court on Sunday morning. It's tribes. And that resonated with me so purely and naturally because I think organizations sometimes forget that people form tribes when they build structures and teams. They believe that the organizational structure and the right metrics align people, but that doesn't happen. There's people that sit on different locations. There's people that eventually have been merged together through acquisitions. There is the manufacturing folks and the engineering folks. Tribes, they're all over and they're all around us. And and when you want to be a purpose-driven team and want to outperform your competitors, you need to take away the internal noise. You need to focus on a bigger objective. That is not a revenue target. That's something like a purpose, something something bigger. And, and so what we started three years ago, we said, okay, we are many tribes. We are material solutions. That was an acquisition. We are five different locations. We are two different divisions. We are engineering. So we have tribes all over the place. And, and it's all about 
nudging your culture forward every day a little bit so that your tribes work together work better together and if you then manage to give them a north star vision a purpose something to strive for they have something uh, to align against and and what we created for our teams globally um is basically and it's not a slogan it's really a purpose it means for us together we lead the additive manufacturing revolution it's together that means there's collaboration leading means we want to be at the forefront of it and then revolution it's something really new and and so those two things together the tribal leadership elements of trying to nudge your teams forward towards working together and this north star vision of wanting to lead the revolution the additive revolution that is at least the framework we are trying to pursue and now um as i said in the beginning there is no right or wrong answer to culture it's very hard to judge how effective we are um but i see improvements pockets of improvement every day where people across different sites accomplish something jointly and celebrate it as a moment of strength because we've done something together yeah? i see people in our organization that go the extra mile work 16 hour weekends carry parts in suitcases because customers um uh, should be served properly and we call that customer obsession and i see also people uh, pushing the boundaries every day trying to reinvent the technology and business models and we call that pushing the limits so i guess we gave it also a bit of hashtags you can't do anything without hashtags anymore these days so our hashtags are moments of strength customer obsession and pushing the limits and all that nudges our culture forward so they'd be able to lead the additive manufacturing revolution that's a bit the approach we are we are taking that's such an interesting approach uh, marcus and you know i've i've seen many organizations getting into additive manufacturing and oftentimes also getting stuck and i think you know there's the saying culture eats strategy for breakfast and you prove that this approach is the the right way to do it and you prove that this statement is is correct Now I also I remember just while while you talk I I remember a book that I read from Carol Dweck called um uh, a growth mindset right and it also sounds to me that you're implementing a growth mindset into your team and I think that's so important because we all know that additive manufacturing being a new and innovative technology especially when it comes to zero production is going to frustrate sometimes sometimes you're going to hit a wall because a certain development doesn't go the way you want it to is that something that you also see where a growth mindset and having this joint approach to we can do this together and we can overcome obstacles together also something that helps you to really push the limits of additive manufacturing fantastic i guess this is uh, carol dweck and growth mindset is a bit the i guess the the overarching philosophy that that we're trying to base our culture framework on and um yes of course yeah i guess i see basically there's two there's two barriers that you can hit there's one a technology driven barrier where you hit a technology limit and there is also since additive is very new it's risky it's not known um there's also an adoption barrier where for instance your internal component owners your internal decision makers don't trust the technology yet and you hit a barrier not in terms of technology you could do it but the people that decide on whether or not you will do it or not 
are not just confident of it. So there's, I guess, these two fundamental barriers. And, and it's very interesting because you can say we lead the additive revolution as many times as you want, but then it's about also culture is also about your reaction in every single situation. And I remember a few weeks back, we were we were really um, we we got we we have gotten full executive management endorsement to try and put a very advanced additive component in one of our gas turbines, really pushing the limits. Um, a service upgrade, fully additive, onto one of our customers' engines, and the team tried its best, and we were working crazy hours. We were fully dedicated to it. And at the end, we were three parts short of a full engine set. And then the guys, we had a status meeting and the team came back and needed to report that we are three parts short of a full engine set. And if you would be in a performance-obsessed culture, you would see this and classify this as a failure. You have not met your target. And management would judge it as a failure because you have not met your target. And there was two surprises, not surprises, but there were two very encouraging moments to me. A, we reported it back to my management chain. And the reaction was, ah, what a pity, so close. Make sure you draw learnings from this. And that happened in a bigger review. Nobody expected that reaction. And then what I had done with the team also, um, independent of that bigger reaction is, I gave the same message. This is this is not a failure, guys. We have pushed it as hard as we could. And then the team came back and we said, okay, is there one last option? Is there one last, uh, 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 I guess, Hail Mary we can throw? And we threw it. And at the end, we and we, at the end we carried parts in a suitcase from the UK to Berlin. We hand carried them through the supply chain. We got a full engine set to our customer on time. Um, all parts okay, and they were, had a lot to do with the reaction of us in leadership. Do you do you judge people based on not meeting a performance objective, or do you encourage them to push, 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 push? But then you also need to be willing to accept if it really doesn't work. And in our case, we we unleashed this 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 last breath of a team that was already exhausted, and they threw the hail mary, and we 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 managed and. Um, for me, there was one of these indications where I at least think it cost a lot of blood, sweat, and tears. Teams have been going on 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 the last uh, percent of oxygen, but we did it. And for me, that's that's a great expression of what you said about Carol Dweck and their the growth culture philosophy versus the performance culture philosophy. Yeah, totally, totally. Thank you for that example. And I think it's it shows perfectly how we need to unleash ourselves from those old style management uh, styles. Uh, for those new technologies because it just doesn't work and we need to be able to unleash the teams and the engineers to really think outside of the box because additive manufacturing in the end is thinking outside of the box. You, uh, two teams within an additive manufacturing initiative, I think of an implementation team, that's the actual engineering team who works on who works on, on a certain engineering challenge, who develops applications and then think of a transformation team that is more of a cross-functional team with different uh, verticals of an organization represents it. And uh, I think what you just described is the perfect definition of a transformation team, 
where everybody pulls into the same direction from supply chain to R&D to production to make the impossible happen. Now, what I would like to dive a bit deeper into is the what I call the implementation team, so the actual technical team. How do you get those guys all jointly push into a direction and how do you give them the freedom to explore a new technology like additive manufacturing for such critical components such as gas turbines? How do you do that? Well, I guess, first of all, it, it, it might sound a bit like everything is now knife through butter yeah. here uh, at Siemens Energy and Material Solutions. And sometimes our butter is still very much frozen because we're taking it fresh out of the freezer. Yeah, So it's, it's, it's a philosophy and there's days where you see it work and there's days where you still you don't see it work and and uh, so i guess it's it's not all rosy but i guess we at least have this path forward the implementation team i guess um when i also talk about the success of implementing additive um in in my mind there is uh, as an as, a, as an ex consultant you explain the whole world always in two by two matrices yeah there's always a, a two by two matrix um and um for me there is there's hard facts and there's soft facts about making additive successful. And the soft facts is what we discussed earlier. It's the culture, it's your business models, it's your collaborations with external partners. And the hard facts is still, you need to get the technology right. You need to, at the end of the day, earn yourself the right to sit at the poker table. If you want to play poker, you need at least to know the basic rules of the game. You need to know how to hold the cards and what <laughs> basically, uh, what uh, cards win over which cards. So you need to still get the technology right. And this is when it comes to implementing, yeah, to implementation team. And um, in in our case, there were, I guess, I would say there's two things that we are doing eventually a bit different than I am aware um, how others do it. And um, for our case, it works, and it, it's not now the, the claim that this is this is the one and only solution. But I guess there's two things. One thing we it was three or four years ago. We had spent six, seven, eight years, um, pretty substantial R&D investments into additive as a technology, and we didn't see the applications. So that the usual problem, where, where's my return on investment? It only comes when you have applications, and they didn't come. And we took, back in the day, uh, the approach, instead of trying to now say that our designers don't think additive and they don't know how to embrace the op opportunity said i don't personally think this is true by the way um we basically said the key problem why we don't see applications is that we don't put r d budgets against additive applications and we don't put resources against additive applications because our budgets and resources they're always coming from the product level and the product level doesn't care whether or not you cast, forge, or 3D print a part. Um, they need a part. And if we really want to accelerate the additive application development, we said we need to on purpose put budget and headcount against additive applications. And what we did then, we basically created, for our case, it was 30 and there's different numbers that would be right for different organizations, but we created 30 new headcount requisitions only for internal applicants. And we took them out of our individual gas turbine component organizations and we had them report into me. 
and then we only allowed internal applicants. And what happened were two things. A, those guys then were not sitting in the components anymore organizationally, so they got directions from Team Additive. And if you get directions from Team Additive, all you want to do is design a good additive component. If you get directions from your component teams, you need to fix a fleet issue, you need to do this and that and cost out, et cetera, et cetera. So you always get distracted. So we took them out, Team Additive. And secondly, I got funding to also drive basic component development. So all of a sudden, what we could do from Team Additive, we could not only deliver technology and printed parts, we could also offer design solutions. And what secondly happened, the component teams did not backfill those 30 people that left. So if they wanted still a certain combustion component uh, to be designed, they needed to go to Team Additive because they didn't have other resources. And and so for us, this, this lever number one, setting up a dedicated design for additive team with own funding and own resource priorities was a pretty bold decision from our engineering management because what if you design only components that only Team Additive wants but no one else wants? Um, but it really it really accelerated our roadmap because all of a sudden we could design for the technology, we could develop materials according to exactly what we wanted to have on the application roadmap, and we could manufacture them. And I want to um, give our engineers out there a bit of credit now. I hear on many conferences that one of the key limiting factors is that engineers don't fully understand the potential of additive yet and they don't think additive. Dear engineers out there, I do not think that this is the case. Based on my own experience in, in Siemens Energy, those guys are so driven by their applications that they actually are enthusiastic about topics like additive because it gives them new opportunities. The thing that is making it difficult for them to adopt is budget constraints. It's it's product target cost constraints. It's schedule constraints. Because if you try something new, of course it's riskier. Of course it might be more expensive. Of course it might take longer. But it's not that they don't understand the potential. And I think, yes, of course, we need to invest in training and we need to invest in, in having more people think additive. But I personally do not think that this is our biggest lever. I think our engineers are pretty enthusiastic about most of the new things. And it's 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 boundary conditions around them that hold them back and not so much their own potential of understanding the technology. So that's number one, design team. And number two is we set additive up as a business. So what my responsibility is, I have a PL that I manage. And if I wanna break even and I wanna stay at a positive uh, at a, at a positive PL. I need to grow my revenue. How do I grow my revenue? More applications. So um, I have a very intrinsic motivation with my team to grow more additive serial production applications because only those serial production applications bring me enough coverage to run a positive PL over time. And so those two things, I guess, on the implementation side really made a difference for us the dedicated design team with own funding and own resources. And secondly, setting this business up as a real PL business within a business, which makes every one of us operations, technology, design, sales, every one of us at the end of the day is part of a business that needs to grow revenue in order to 
uh, be competitive and and break even. And I guess those two things are for me pretty strong drivers of how we how we are currently implementing. Super interesting. And yeah, I mean, in the end, you you set up your organization for success, and that was a long journey, as as as, as I can hear right now. Um, so we talked about the the organizational restructuring and an optimization towards additive manufacturing. We talked about culture and how culture has a huge impact on the successful implementation of, of AM, but I would even say other disruptive and new technologies, uh, I think have to be approached with a similar, similar objective. Now, one thing I would like to uh, ask you is where is Siemens now? I mean, Siemens started so many years ago, you guys acquired material solutions. You now have one of the best engineering teams in the world when it comes to additive manufacturing. Where is the technology now? Where is additive manufacturing being implemented at Siemens? And what does the future look like? So I guess I think we in Siemens Energy can truthfully now claim that we are beyond the tipping point where additive is not only a technology push from a few, but where it's really towards getting towards a technology pull from from many. I think we are really on the point where we see where we're going down the slope. We, it, it's still not very steep, but we are starting to see the advantages of gravity working in, in favor of additive. Um, yeah, you're not uphill anymore. It's not uphill anymore, I think. And that's good. And so I guess we are, where are we? We we have uh, there's a few facts now, and I don't want to base this only on facts. Um, but we have more than one million operating hours of additive components on gas turbines. There's a very large portion of that now coming from repair, where we started many many years ago to introduce uh, repaired burners, and now even we are repairing turbine blade tips. Um, into gas turbines, and we have uh, really, really various hundred thousands of operating hours of additive components with uh, 3D printed repair um, on them. We are in full serial production of thousands of components for our combustion system, so mainly swirlers and and burners, and they are really floating through our factories. Um, Material Solutions is one of those places where if you go today, you see uh, hundreds and hundreds of swellers being produced there. The same part every single time. It's uh, We are also now working on alongside, yeah, we are working on automation of post-processing technologies. We are working on um, uh, uh, automation of uh, uh, NDT because now you have the volumes that, that, that justify investing into this. So we have thousands of swellers being produced. And, and while we speak, we are pushing the limits and we are pushing the technology now into really performance-enabling functions in the turbine where you get higher efficiency and lower emissions through pure additive-only designs. And there's no conventional backup anymore. The additive design needs to work. And um, this is what we are currently really putting a lot of focus on. And then I guess... Uh, what's now emerging as a bit of a future uh, next uh, application area is service and supply chain management. So inventories, for instance, along our supply chains and in our warehouses. And if additive proves really to have shorter lead times than conventional machining, uh, conventional parts, then 
you can reduce your inventories because your replenishment times are shorter. And this is what our new focus is. So I guess we started with repair. We are in full swing zero production with thousands of swirlers and burners floating through our factory. So we're learning what zero production means. We are pushing the limits into the turbine with efficiency increases and emission reductions, additive-only designs. And I guess the new thing is uh, on the horizon is um, supply chain and inventory management. And um, uh, this is, I guess, a bit of the four horizons and our state of the application of the technology. And in terms of number of qualified parts for additive, we have a very ambitious target. We want to be at more than 1,000 different material masters uh, made by additive in 2025 and beyond. And uh, again, growth mindset, yeah, that's an ambition. Um, we're trying to get as close as possible, but we see a pretty aggressive growth curve ahead in terms of applications. Wow. Hey, Marcus, that, that's, that is really good to hear. And you, know, you mentioned uh, two-dimensional graphs earlier, and I think the, the AM industry and every consultant out there has always talked about the, the graph where you have you know, supply chain disruption on the x-axis and performance improvement on the y-axis. And that's where additive manufacturing has an impact on organizations. Um, if you go down each of those routes, both are really good and already have a good impact on an organization implementing 3D printing. But you guys show that the holy grail is utilizing both of these concepts, using additive manufacturing as a digital warehouse and improving the performance of existing components. So yeah, very, very inspirational to see Siemens Energy walking down that path and also following your path over the past years. And uh, yeah, I want to thank you, Marcus, for being so transparent with us and giving us insights into how you manage your team, how culture really had such a big impact on the successful implementation of AM at Siemens. And yeah, I hope to uh, welcome you uh, for a second episode uh, in the in the future to maybe even talk a bit more about the actual engineering of uh, of additive manufacturing and how Siemens Energy approaches the redesign of a component. So thank you so much for being an additive snack. Thank you very much, Fabian, for having me. Fantastic discussion. And already looking forward to the second invitation and many more additive snacks in between to listen to. Thank you very much. Perfect. Thank you. So as you just heard, creating and nurturing the right culture is just as important as the technology at the heart of your additive manufacturing efforts. If you're interested in reading the books Marcus and I mentioned on today's podcast, here they are. Marcus recommended Tribal Leadership by Dave Logan. And we also discussed Mindset, the new psychology of success by Carol Dweck. As always, I'd love to hear from you. What has worked for your organization in terms of culture and mindset? Are you still facing hurdles to additive manufacturing success due to teamwork and culture issues? Are there any great books we should add to our reading list? Send us an email at additive.snack at eos-na.com or leave a comment in your favorite podcast app. We're always looking for great topics to discuss on future episodes, so send along any ideas or questions that are at the top of your mind. Next time on Additive Snack, we'll be talking to my amazing colleague, Dr. Ankit Saharan, about the past, the present, and the future of AM materials. Ankit is the senior manager of metals technology at EOS, and he will discuss how material science is entering a golden age. Advancements in artificial intelligence, machine learning, computing power, and collaborative research databases are enabling incredible new capabilities for materials. 
and Ankit will talk about what that means for the future of AM. You won't want to miss it, so please tune in. And until then, don't forget to subscribe and rate our podcast in the podcast app of your choice. A special thanks goes out to my co-producers, Kristen Eisminger and Tim Moynihan, as well to Shannon Bauch for graphic design and social media management. Thank you very much for listening, and please join us next time for another great episode of Additive Snack.